war in Afghanistan actually started right here in America, right here in New York City, this island, which I'm on right now, Manhattan Island, September 11, 2001. Our counterattack came about a month later in Afghanistan, and we've been there ever since, but that's changing. We're getting out. It's time we get out, but we're getting out in a very sloppy, haphazard way that could give rise to who knows what. Today, Joe Biden was asked about this uh, chaos on the ground, and he struggled to keep up. He struggled to remember why we went in the first place. We went for two reasons. One, to bring Osama bin Laden to the gates of hell. Yeah, I'm actually relieved he figured that one out. It took him about five seconds. Bin Laden, oh, by the way, though, we got him in Pakistan. Yeah, the images from Afghanistan are rough, and we'll get to those in a moment. And it was rough today on Joe Biden. Thank you. Mr. Mr. President, President, do you trust the, the Taliban, Mr. President? Mr. President, why can't you evacuate? Do you trust the Taliban, Mr. President? you trust the Taliban, sir? Mr. President, is the U.S. responsible for the death of the Afghans? Mr. President, will you amplify that question, please? Will you amplify your answer, please, why you don't trust the Taliban? It's a silly question. Do I trust the Taliban? No. Thank you. I'm going to take one more question. Mr. President, have you spoken with any Taliban officials about the withdrawal? Mr. President, the Taliban being in Russia today. Mr. President, thank you. Kind of a mess. Sounded like a pet shop in there. Look, um, we're getting out. It's sloppy. It didn't have to be this sloppy. I don't think President Trump would have let this happen, but. Who knows? Who knows? Joe did get angry because this looks bad for America, and we don't know what's going to happen next. Do you trust the Taliban, Mr. President? Do you trust the Taliban, sir? Are you, is that a serious question? It's absolutely a serious question. Do you trust the Taliban? Do you no, trust I do not. The country to the Taliban? No, I do not trust the, the Taliban. Mr. President, will you amplify that question, please? Will you amplify your answer, please, why you don't trust the Taliban? It's a silly question. Do I trust the Taliban? No. But I trust the capacity of the Afghan military, who is better trained, better equipped, and more, more competent in terms of conducting war. Well, here's footage of Afghan military handing over their weapons quite eagerly to Taliban militants. Taliban now rulers, I guess, of Afghanistan. The Afghan military that we spent so much time on, worked so hard with, uh, looks like big chunks of them are folding just like that. Joe Biden has some experience here. He and Barack Obama got out of Iraq in the most reckless and hasty manner imaginable, and that gave rise to ISIS. Who knows what will happen this time? So we got a big problem overseas and a big problem here in America. Our culture, our society seems to be coming apart. Cops are being gunned down and very few people actually seem to care. Our national media certainly don't. In Indiana, Terre Haute, Indiana, this is police detective and FBI task force officer Greg Ferenczi shot and killed yesterday afternoon in what's described as an ambush. He was a 30-year veteran of the department and served on that FBI task force since 2010. Uh, yes, an ambush. Um, police responded, uh, still trying to figure out exactly what happened. This is a very difficult time to be in law enforcement.
It's not a good time to be a police officer in America. But this is an example of someone that would die for a personal patient they are. We're not bad people. And the conditions were set for this kind of violence and the violence we're seeing against civilians. I believe last summer when we delegitimized police and glorified all of those Black Lives Matter protesters. I'm sorry, but we did. The media did. This country did. I didn't. We were speaking out, but you saw what happened. The delegitimization, the stigmatizing of cops everywhere. We're living with the results now, and it's awful. A police station set on fire, and the then Democrat nominee for president, uh, Joe Biden, said nothing, seemed to be totally okay with these kinds of displays. Our country is coming apart. And it's not a surprise. They rather ruin this country than get Donald Trump reelected. And it looks like they did. We talked about seven-year-old Kelby Shorty shot and killed Sunday while celebrating July 4th in North Memphis. This is an epidemic. It is happening all over the place. And no one really seems to care. And the media are covering up for Democrat politicians who have helped create this problem. This is kind of pathetic. Lori Lightfoot of Chicago seen asking, reportedly asking Joe Biden for help with the crime situation in Chicago. Can Joe Biden really help out with that after all he's done or not done? Here are some of the solutions. Democrats don't like talking about crime. When crime is an issue, they like talking about guns and they like talking about jobs as if when you're being murdered or robbed, somehow a jobs program is going to fix everything. I'm going to give you a future. I'm going to give you an alternative. I'm going to give you training and I'm going to give you a job. New York State will pay 100 percent of the salary. Hey, a great big government program. This is the Kamala Harris approach to fixing a problem. She wants to take care of the root causes when it comes to immigration. Governor Cuomo, fellow Democrats, the root causes of crime. We've got a crisis on our hands right now. This stuff he's talking about will take years and lots and lots of money and won't make a difference, in my opinion. Meanwhile, the media, they don't care. They just don't care. They're not covering this out-of-control crime wave that we're seeing. They only care. They only care when cops take the life, perhaps justifiably, perhaps not. There are mistakes that are made of a person of color. The fatal police shooting of a black man in a small North Carolina town last week is fueling new questions over transparency. More than a year after Breonna Taylor was killed by Louisville police, the Justice Department announced a sweeping investigation into that city's police department. Body cam video also at the center of another police shooting in Virginia. A man fighting for his life after his family says a deputy mistook a cordless phone for a gun. They hype the violence that can suit their political needs and they ignore the violence that will hamper their political needs. And all the while, they love glorifying themselves. Have you heard or seen all of these nauseating uh, tributes and retrospectives about January 6th? Seen a lot of them. It's all about them, the media, what they went through, how they suffered. Take a look. They're all over the place. And uh, yeah, they are kind of nauseating. It's all about the reporters and what they saw. 
We'll tell you what they really saw in a moment, but they're complaining about post-traumatic stress and they need treatment now. Uh, this person from uh, PBS, I'm still not sleeping like I used to. Even to this day, I became kind of an insomniac. A reporter who was there, more or less, on January 6th. Another one, it was traumatizing. I shut my emotions. If I went down, I was going to go down fighting. I'm going to do my job. Eric Wasson from Bloomberg. How about this one? That day, we weren't just observers. We were one of their targets. A lot of us reporters are having a tough time with that. Well, I'm having a tough time with their self-glorification and BS, quite frankly. I had a real hard time getting through it because uh, oh, no. all of the, the people that... I mean, frankly, I, I look at that and I see people that I know. Um, and so, you know, watching mm -hmm. it sitting here with you, uh, it really underscores how just how close we came to utter mm -hmm. catastrophe. So full of themselves. You know, <clears throat> they were in the basement. They ran away. Hey, I understand. But they weren't there. They ran away. You know who the chief photographer was that day? A Black Lives Matter activist. Take a look. You've probably seen this footage. All the networks have been using it. Yeah, <clears throat> things got chaotic inside the Capitol. But look who took this video. You see the little logo there in the lower right? Jaden X. Who's Jaden X? It's this guy, John Sullivan, a well-known Black Lives Matter activist. Here he is under arrest. He was there when Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed. He actually took the video that we've all seen by this point. He also stood outside the White House last summer and threatened to do all kinds of things to the people who work inside. My group is Insurgents USA. We about to burn this down. This we got Rick Trump out of that office right over there. Pull him out that Nah, nah, we ain't about waiting until the next election. We about to go get that mother I ain't about that Cause you know what time it is? I want y'all to be after me. It's time for revolution. Well, I don't like the guy, but he did take some pretty compelling video. Uh, this Black Lives Matter activist on Capitol Hill on January 6th. Most of the images are from him. Networks bought these images. And there's his little logo right there. Interesting, because all of the reporters, the ones who say they report and suffered so much, uh, you can't find much of their work from that day. You can't. But you sure can hear them whine about it. I just want to say how heartbreaking it is to walk through the Capitol this morning and see the remnants of the damage that was done yesterday. We spend, you know, our Capitol Hill team, we spend so much time in this building. Okay, look, people can be triggered by all kinds of things these days, so I want everybody to get the help they need. But this is an exaggeration. Uh, I think it's uh, dramatization. The building was up and running in a couple of hours and it was back to business and they weren't there. They were taken to safety. They were. I could moan. I could moan about all kinds of things. I could moan about the time I was wounded in Iraq covering the invasion for Fox News. I could moan about the times I had to fly missions over Iraq back in the 1990s. And I could also moan about the things I saw and the things I was exposed to at Ground Zero on September 11th, 2001. But I choose not to. Stay with us, folks. We've got a lot more to come. Appreciate it.
Big news from the app world. The Newsmax TV app has been downloaded more than 5 million times since Election Day. It's one of the most popular apps on both iPhones and Android devices. Plus, it's free. So go to your app store now and you'll get easy access to Newsmax.com for top news. Plus, you can watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. And remember to sign up for app notifications so you never miss a breaking news alert from Newsmax. Download the free app now. Takes just seconds. Newsmax TV. Watch us anytime, anywhere. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? All right. Some great fake news examples right now. I was watching uh, Channel 2 here in New York, which is the CBS Morning Show. Vice President Kamala Harris is talking about changes to voting laws in her first interview on the topic as VP. So far this year, at least 17 state legislatures, most of them Republican-led, have enacted new laws to restrict voting access. That's according to the progressive Brennan Center for Justice. Supporters say tighter voting laws are needed to prevent fraud, though there's no evidence that voter fraud is a widespread problem. All right. So anti-Republican, so biased. Um, and widespread voter fraud. They always offer that caveat. No evidence of widespread fraud. It only takes a few thousand votes to turn even a national election. It does. Uh, So what happened in this big interview with the vice president? People are talking about potential compromises. Mm -hmm. Is agreeing to voter ID one of those compromises that you'd support? When we're talking about voter ID laws, be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are. Of course, people have to prove who they are, but not in a way that makes it, them, it almost impossible for them to prove who they are. All right. I don't know what she's talking about. IDs are very reasonable. Polls show that people of all races think that it's reasonable. The corrupt left tries to say it's not reasonable. By the way, that was, that, that was Soledad O'Brien asking the questions, who seems to be wearing a bathrobe from the future. All right. I also want to talk about this. Uh, If you work at a company, corporate America, they've gone totally crazy with this woke stuff, including companies that should be really thinking about other stuff. Okay, have you heard of Raytheon? It's a defense contractor, a big company. They've been around for a long time. They build missiles. They're focused on killing people, technology that can kill people, and also defend our country. This is a great company, great roots, but like Almost every other company, they've gone crazy lately. They're making their employees, at least some of them, read this thing, Stronger Together, uh, an employee guide, becoming an anti-racist today. And they've got all kinds of weird tips on how to talk to primarily black people, assuming, I guess this is for white people, what not to say to your black colleagues right now. Some of this stuff is uh, pretty awful. Let's see. This is a suggestion. I'm having conversations about racism with my non-black family and friends, even though I'm afraid. You're supposed to say this, and that's a good thing to say, but you're not supposed to say this. I hope and pray things will change soon, because this shows that you mean well, but meaning well isn't enough. This is a time to do well. Um, An icebreaker about how to talk about race. And let's, uh, Jackie, you haven't said anything in a long time. You're just total nonsense. And companies all over the country are dealing with this stuff. And when you're a company like Raytheon, 
I believe he got more important things to worry about. The ability to provide protection against attacking aircraft and modern-day threats is what keeps Raytheon, the U.S. Navy, the Missile Defense Agency, and our allies uniquely positioned to provide the finest fleet and national defense for another 60 years. Cool company with a cool mission. Why make it hard on everybody? White, black, everybody. Let's come together around the missiles, okay? Well, we have this as well. Black lives matter! Black lives matter! Black lives matter! Black lives do matter, not the way the Black Lives Matter movement says. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. No, all lives matter. Black lives matter, including the life of 19-year-old Jakari McKellar, shot and killed outside a convenience store in DeKalb County, Georgia, on Wednesday night. Families say uh, a car drove up and someone sprayed the front of the store with bullets. Jakari was hit and died at the hospital. He had just started a new job and was excited to be turning 20 later this month. And the last thing I said to him was to go to sleep so he could get up early in the morning so he could be on time. <laughs> for his new job. <laughs> please, please, stop it. Stop it. Let my grandson's life mean something. Let my grandson's life mean something. Stop. Close this store down. Now that is heartbreaking. The food mart has been the scene of several deadly shootings over the past few years. So far, no arrests. They're still searching for the gunman. We'll be right back with the attorney, John Cole. He is helping President Trump in that class action lawsuit. He was there in Bedminster yesterday against big tech. We'll be right back. If you've had it with the old news. And the same spent. Well, then Spicer and Company is your place. For the inside story. And for the facts that you need to know. This suit is really about freedom of speech. And what it is, it's basic that freedom of speech depends on certain things. One is who decides what's hate, who decides what's misinformation. It's not a couple guys out in California. It's always been the Supreme Court for over 200 years, and I would say they've done a heck of a job. That is John Cole, the lead counsel for this new class action lawsuit that President Trump is leading against big tech. Uh, President Trump truly has lawyered up. We're very impressed with John Cole and his performance yesterday and his record. John Cole joins us now. Welcome to Newsmax, sir. How are you? I'm just fine. Thanks. You bet. So, look, um, I, I'm very optimistic about this case, and uh, so are the experts, Alan Dershowitz, others, saying there's real teeth here. You have a real shot. But you kept talking about the Supreme Court. Explain to us how you can get relief there, please. Well, I think in the end, that's where that's where it will be, uh, because it's a very important, hugely important issue. The law, which ends at the Supreme Court, has to decide how to handle these tech companies and the Internet in the 21st century. All the law we've got, pretty much all the law we've got, is back before these things existed. So we've got to take a good look at it legally, and we've got to come up with some solutions where people aren't, you know, their free, uh, free speech rights aren't infringed upon. 
And you made the point that, you know, right now, let's face it, big tech is coming after conservatives. We all know that in big ways and small ways, the shadow banning, the outright censorship. Uh, but the tide can turn and who knows what could happen in the future. And they could come after Democrats as well. Well, you look at you look at history and you have things like this where all of a sudden somebody's free speech or constitutional rights are infringed upon and the side and the people it is not being infringed upon say, well, that's not too bad. Then it happens to them. And that's what can happen here. You, this has to be solved. You, you can't have this going on in this country where people, especially a, a sitting president of the United States, gets uh, taken down. To, from 150 million followers. Now, those followers have a right to hear him, whether they like to hear him because they hate him or like to hear him because they like him. And, and that's just a shame. That is. And he brought it up. And if he can be taken off of uh, a big platform like that, what about the rest of us? Here's the president from yesterday. And of course, there is no better evidence that big tech is out of control than the fact that they banned the sitting president of the United States earlier this year, a ban that continues to this day, continues. So we get the word out, but it's uh, not a fair situation. Very, very bad for this country, very bad for the world. If they can do it to me, they can do it to anyone. And in fact, that is exactly what they're doing. That really uh, hit home. <laughs> I've gotten a little bit of it myself. And uh, they can cancel just about anybody they want if they want to. Right. For any reason. If they just don't feel good that morning when they get up. Their coffee wasn't good. Who knows? But they, uh, they can cancel anybody. And it's just wrong. Period. All right. Now, by the way, he was very impressed with you. I thought you were terrific at the press conference, but he kept referring to uh, the big tobacco fights uh, in the 90s. You were involved in that. I think we have a headline from that era. Can you tell us a little bit about the similarities, if there are any, between what happened back then and uh, what we're seeing right now? Well, one thing was you, I've heard in the last 24 hours all these pundits, well, this is frivolous, this can't happen. We heard that in the beginning of the what I refer to as the tobacco wars. You had 60 years of tobacco winning every case in litigation, and then they met, you know, me, the boys, all the guys that got together, the women who fought them, and we won. So this is another thing that's much bigger than tobacco. I mean, yes, it's terrible that all those people got uh, died from tobacco. It's terrible what happened. But this is fundamental First Amendment rights to a society that needs freedom of speech. This is a big case. As Dershowitz, I think, said last night, this is the biggest First Amendment case, I don't know, in, in years and years and years. And I believe that. I do. It's a very, very important issue. People can join up. This is a class action lawsuit, so it's not just the president. This is a lot of people. And yesterday, I think it was discussed, if anybody out there wants to join, there is a way to do that. Yes, there is. Um, uh, first, uh, America First Policy Institute had a, has a website, and they're, they're helping out on this case. And they got 30,000 hits 
and request to be on the case since yesterday. So if you go to their web website, which of course is an old man I don't have, <laughs> but it's if you go to America First Policy Institute, I'm sure you can figure it out much better than I could. Well, actually, we uh, we have one of our whippersnappers in the back. They just put it on the screen. Uh, TakeOnBigTech.com, <laughs> and it'll give you a link. And forgive me, John, I think I met you many years ago. Are you... Married to Greta Van Susteren, is that true? Oh yeah, we, we met a couple times back in the day. Well, uh, I knew uh, I liked you and now I, uh, I understand why. You, terrific stuff, thank you. Our best to Greta and good luck with this lawsuit. Good to see you. Really appreciate it, appreciate right. that, thank you. We'll be right back. They are the most elite fighting force on Earth. They're trained to protect and kill. Now see the stories of hero SEALs who lost their lives defending us. Watch Navy SEALs Fallen Heroes on Newsmax TV. Well, there's Hunter Biden. Would you trust this man with your finances? Do you think he's uh, responsible enough to pay your bills? That was the arrangement he seemed to have had with his dad. Now the president, uh, at the time we're about to discuss, the vice president of the United States. Look at this. This is uh, Joe Biden's lake house, and we have material that suggests, uh, <laughs> in a weird, another bizarre twist, um, Hunter Biden was uh, paying these bills, and who knows where the money was coming from. Well, we have a pretty good idea where that money was coming from. I'd like to bring in John Solomon, founder of Just the News and one of the greatest journalists in the country Fearless, by the way, and a Newsmax contributor. John, welcome. How are you? It's a pleasure to be with you, Greg. So tell us a little bit about why Hunter would be paying Joe Biden's bills. It might seem kind of uh, unusual at first glance, but I, I understand that this actually was a pattern that may have extended for many, many years. There, there are certainly suggestions in the emails on his laptop, and we've done a lot of due diligence on this laptop. We've identified more than a thousand people who got emails that are on this laptop and confirmed with them that those are legitimate emails. Yes, those things occurred. So there's not any doubt this is Hunter Biden's laptop anymore. Uh, these are authentic emails. And what you see is many times when he's talking to family and close business associates, he's lamenting the fact that he had to pay dad's bills or the big guy's bills. And uh, this period begins, I think the first email we see is around 2013, and they go all the way into 2017, 2018, where he's talking about setting aside a 10% interest in one of his Chinese investments for the big guy, obviously referring to, to Joe Biden. And listen, on the flip side of this, what started two years ago with these strong denials by the Biden team that we never helped Hunter Biden on any business, well, that's falling apart too. Joe Biden was showing up meeting people, whether it was Burisma executives, Chinese executives, other executives, Mexican executives, that when Hunter Biden was courting them for business, Joe Biden shows up in photos, emails, meetings. Uh, this was a symbiotic relationship if Hunter Biden's emails are an accurate account of what was going on. And that should trouble us all for two reasons. The Biden team and the president on down have not told us the truth. And two, it creates an enormous portrait of a conflict of interest. The very reason why I started reporting on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden in 2019. Yeah. This created an appearance of a conflict of interest. It undercut uh, confidence in the State Department and the Biden administration. Speaking of portraits, I just saw the most bizarre 
father-son portrait ever. I don't know what they were thinking when they took this picture, but I want to go on to uh, Joe Biden's neighbor, the former FBI director, Louis Free. You're familiar with these the, the email back and forth. Louis Free wanted to give the uh, a hunter, I'm sorry, a Biden family trust $100,000. This is for the children of Bo Biden. Bo, of course, is deceased. $100,000, that is a lot of money. It's kind of it seems like it's from out of the blue. Um, why would Louis Free uh, want to give this kind of money to the Bidens? And what might he expect in return? Well, that is a great question. And one of the problems with these trusts is that there isn't visibility into them. We weren't allowed to see what was coming into them. We now know that Burisma, the corrupt Ukrainian company where Hunter Biden, well, they gave $20,000 to to uh, the Bo Biden Foundation as part of this. There were lots of people trying to donate around and after the death, the tragic death of Bo Biden. Uh, and the question always remains, are they doing it because they just want to be charitable or do they have a business interest? Right now, we haven't fully identified a business interest for Louis Freed. Uh, I can tell you that back in the day when Louis Freed was FBI director, he had a lot of tension with Democrats, particularly in the Clinton White House, where he battled the Clinton White House often. Uh, we didn't know of any prior relationship with Joe Biden. Uh, we're still digging into it. But again, all of these secret things that should have been out and open, they were all hidden from us. And the truth of the matter is, Hunter Biden has been in the political version uh, of a witness protection program for a very long time. The media, big tech, Democrats in Congress, the government agencies have all tried to hide the very outlandish efforts that Hunter Biden has done to make money for himself and his family. Well, this is perhaps the most outlandish. Um, his foray into the art world. At 51, we're finding out that uh, Hunter Biden is the new Banksy. And, uh, well, we've <laughs> talked to some art critics, and let's show you the yeah. art. It's no good. Uh, nobody who knows anything about art seems to be impressed with this. Yes, you can find a, a critic somewhere, probably buy him off, and they'll say something nice about it. But the people who know, and I don't know how the heck he's creating this thing with that pipe. Um, What's actually going on here? A lot of folks suspect that this just might be yet another way to get money to the Bidens. Listen, I think Hunter Biden said it himself best when he was on that ABC interview. A lot of things came my way because of my last name. That's probably the most honest statement he's made in the last five years. Listen, he had no gas and oil experience. He lands on the board of Burisma making $83,000 a month. He doesn't appear to be a very accomplished artist, and yet they're now looking at uh, people buying between $30,000 and $500,000 per portrait. And right now, talking about that witness protection program, right? The White House Ethics Council appears to be trying to find a way to hide the names of the people who are gonna buy this art. That's a red flag. Transparency is what we demand of our elected officials and their families when they get to the highest office, the president. And now Hunter Biden and the White House are trying to hide who's paying these outrageous amounts of money for this art that a lot of people aren't very impressed with. Well, you mentioned that interview on ABC, from, which was supposed to be the definitive interview, and he acknowledged the Biden name, but he was also proud of his uh, credentials. Let's take a look at that, please. What were your qualifications to be on the board of Burisma? Well, I was vice chairman of the board of Amtrak for five years. I was the chairman of the board of the UN World Food Program. I was a lawyer for Boy Schiller Flexner, one of the most prestigious law firms in the world. You didn't have any extensive knowledge about natural gas or Ukraine itself, though. Uh, no, but I think that I had as much knowledge as anybody else who was on the board, if not more. In the list that you gave me of the reasons why you're on that board, you did not list the fact that you were the son of the vice of course. president. Of course, yeah. No, I, I, what role do you think that played? 
I think that it is impossible for me to be on any of the boards that I just mentioned without saying that I'm the son of the vice president of the United States. But that's kind of, he didn't lead with that. Again, he's a compliance yeah. lawyer. He has all that experience on the Amtrak board. How did they get that job? Amtrak Joe, he took it every... Uh, but there's one more I want to play for you, John, where he seems to acknowledge Please. a bit more forthrightly that the name is opens all the doors. Take a look at this. They saw my name as gold. And one of the reasons that they did was this. Right at that period of time, the Russians had invaded and taken Crimea, and they were after the natural resources and the pipeline. And I know that Burisma wanted to do one thing, is that they wanted to create a bulwark against that Russian aggression. They knew that they had to expand internationally and into other sectors in order to be able to diversify and protect themselves. And the Biden name is synonymous with democracy and transparency. Did you know that it was synonymous with democracy and transparency, John? Well, in Hunter Biden's mind, it apparently was. For most of us who've covered this story for the last years, it seems to be synonymous with corruption and ethical conflicts of interest. And those aren't my words. Those are the words that State Department officials gave in depositions when they were interviewed by Senator Grassley and Ron Johnson and their staffs. They said that what Hunter Biden did in Burisma undercut the American effort to fight corruption in Ukraine. It created a conflict of interest. Those are the words of the people who were working for Joe Biden at the time. And yet, when we first started reporting on this and we went through the Ukraine impeachment, we were all wagged off as crazy conspiracy theorists. There's no there there. Now we know he was under investigation for tax evasion. He was uh, creating a conflict of interest. He was undercutting U.S. policy. Uh, what a difference a couple of years make. If we had had all that information during the first impeachment trial, I think the House impeachment managers would have been laughed out of the Senate. Hey, real quick, John, um, regarding that... <laughs> investigation that we heard about, I think now last year. Right. Is anything gonna come of that? I mean, what, what happened to it? And is this stuff so bad that even the fake news and even career prosecutors are gonna say, hold on, we've gotta do something? Well, listen, we just saw a memo that I, I reported on just a couple of weeks ago where Hunter Biden's own lawyers told him, hey, you didn't pay taxes on your Brisma money. Two years later, by the way, that's called evasion or tax avoidance. Uh, we know there's strong evidence for a criminal case. The question is, will the Justice Department have the will to do it? All right. John Solomon, welcome to Newsmax again, and uh, we'll check out Just the News. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. All right. Sinchfield is with us. Hello, uh, Grant. What's happening on your show tonight? Hey, Greg. So uh, we're continuing our series confronting Iran tonight, and we actually have a gentleman who was a student went over to Iran, thought just like Joe Biden, well, if you treat them nice, they'll be nice to us. Guess what? They threw him in prison for two years. It took the Trump administration to get him out. He's on the program to tell us why Joe Biden and Team Biden is so wrong about how they're dealing with Iran. Trump really prioritized getting those hostages back home, uh, did it all over the world and did not get enough credit for it. But I know the families deeply, deeply appreciate it. And I do too. Grant, many thanks. We're looking forward to it and we'll be right back. Folks, trust me, this is required reading if you love to hate the fake news as much as I hate the fake news and love to hate it actually sometimes. It's called Breaking the News, Exposing the Establishment Media's Hidden Deals and Secret Corruption. It's by Alex Marlowe. He is the editor-in-chief of Breitbart News. And 
Alex, we're glad to have you back on Newsmax. Thanks for being here. How are you? I'm doing great, Greg. I'm so happy we could do this. Thanks so much. You bet. And I'm making my way through the book. And by the way, first, if we could talk about Breitbart, uh, because, you know, Breitbart had, got a bad rap for a long time. And uh, there was a lot of fake news about Breitbart. And in your book, you go through that and dissect how it was fake and how they try to give you a, a bad name. Who was behind that and how did you guys uh, overcome it? Well, Breitbart has been one of the most effective, if not the most effective voice in the sort of populist uh, conservative movement over the last 15 years in terms of getting on a message the establishment media doesn't want you to know about. And because of this, we've become not just the tip of the spear of the culture war, but also where the left has focused so much of their energy. I mean, maybe only Fox competes, and it's really just a handful of the Fox hosts. And it's something that we're very proud of, but it's also provided uh, a, a lot of headaches for us. We've had to debunk uh, a lot of absurd claims about us, falsehoods that are entrenched into our establishment media and our tech elite. Take Wikipedia, for example, where conspiracy after conspiracy, all false about Breitbart, appear in our Wikipedia pages, and we can't get them removed because they won't let us. It's a shame. Well, uh, when people break through all that noise, it is such a tremendous resource, and you're doing such great stuff. Also in the book, you Thank take you. apart that phony story from the 2020 election about Trump uh, in the cemetery and the lie that he disparaged the troops. We know that's not true. You exposed it in uh, magnificent fashion. And now I'm reminded about that story because uh, there's a new headline that Trump praised Hitler, uh, which also seems to be, uh, <laughs> well, I don't believe it. Uh, a new book, Michael Bender. Tell us a little bit, if you could, about um, the original story. And, you know, you just, again, showed that this was a, a classic fake news hit job. Yeah, and the book is about 1,200 endnotes in it, so it's all very thoroughly documented. It's supposed to be a scholarly text, though. Uh, thanks for saying it's enjoyable to read. But I have to say, of all the hundreds of examples of fake news that I've been uh, that I went through, not just in the book itself, but in the research for the book, this might have been the single fakest item of them all. The Trump called a dead Marine suckers and losers and refused to honor them at their gravesite. The reason why I know this is because not only was was there not a single on record source that confirmed that story. It was all anonymous sources. Every single on-record source, north of a dozen, and I will go through all of them in the book, said the story was not true. Yet that became papal bull for the establishment press. Apparently on the same tr uh, trip, according to this new book that I haven't got a chance to read yet, uh, that another anonymous source says that Trump was praising Hitler. Uh, it's just the same fake news machine. But by the way, uh, Greg, I'd be remiss if I didn't note that Trump gave an interview to this guy, Bender, and I wish he would not do that. I wish he would stop giving interviews to the establishment press that's trying to destroy him. He does do that a lot. Like Maggie Haberman, a reporter from The New York Times, for whatever reason, he gave her incredible access. You know, sometimes, believe it or not, when you give a reporter access, the reporter kind of, you know, makes arrangements or accommodations or maybe even hooks the guy up a little bit. And he never got any quarter from any of these folks. Exactly. They're trying to destroy him. And that was really the original thesis of the book. And we went much deeper into the corporate ties. Uh, the Atlantic was a story behind that suckers and losers hoax. Uh, and it's funded by this lady, Lorene Powell Jobs, who inherited all of her money from Steve Jobs. He was her widow. And she uses it to fund literal fake news is what she does now. She funds fake news uh, on behalf of Democrat candidates. So it, it's all connected. And I, and I give it a lot of detail behind it. But this new era of you can use anonymous sources to attack a seated president. 
president uh, and only anonymous sources. And this stuff is treated like it's totally uh, true, is brand new, and it was designed to destroy Trump and his allies. That's the, the tactic explained. I'd love to get your take on, now that we're six months away from January 6th, I've seen all of these nauseating retrospectives about what the reporters went through and how they need counseling at this point. They can't sleep at night, quite frankly. I think they're uh, hyping it. I think they're exaggerating it. And most of them weren't there. I've seen, you've seen all the video. And most of the video from that day is either security footage or from that Black Lives Matter activist, uh, Jaden X. Um, what do you make? And let me just play you this real quick. This is, I think, from uh, Casey Hunt over on MSNBC. I had a real hard time uh, getting through it because uh, oh, no. all of the, the people that I mean, frankly, I, I look at that and I see people that I know. Um, and so, you know, watching mm -hmm. it sitting here with you, uh, it really underscores how just how close we came to utter mm -hmm. catastrophe. Every time I walk up the steps that Goodman pulled the mob away from, I, you know, I think about it. I feel like I'm bonded, bonded to those stairs because I'm always going to think about him running up and... So, um, your reaction? It's just absurd infotainment now with NBC and anyone who thinks they're a legitimate news outlet uh, is totally kidding themselves. But I don't think there are many people left who, who think that way. Uh, but one thing that's interesting about January 6th uh, is that after it happened on my national radio show in Sirius XM, I said it was very bad for the MAGA movement and it did not make Trump and his supporters look good. It was a big mistake. But that said, it wasn't nearly as bad. It wasn't one hundredth of as bad of a day as the establishment media is trying to portray it as. And this is all because they want to talk about this and not inflation and not the border crisis and not the murder rates in our in our inner cities and not the fact that the recovery is not back on track and not about how maybe it really was that lab that caused the coronavirus. All these narratives are really bad for Democrats, so they'd rather talk about January 6th. And by the way, can I say, Greg, I, it is an outrage that so many people are being held without trial, without even trial dates who are connected to January 6th, including the guy with the Bullwinkle helmet. That guy should get it. He should at least have a trial date. I mean, he, just because he wear beaver pelts doesn't mean he's not entitled to his rights. It's amazing. Yeah, his name is Jacob Chansley. And uh, yeah, maybe he was trespassing, but he didn't break anything. He didn't hurt anybody. And he's still in custody. And we also have grave concerns about how the Ashley Babbitt situation was handled and the complete lack of curiosity from the mainstream media and also Democrats and Republicans on Capitol Hill. Very few. I'm glad for one that the president is actually weighing in finally. Well, uh, hey, when can we catch you on uh, Sirius XM? At 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern every day and on podcasts if you have the SiriusXM app. All right. Well, we appreciate it. And let's put that book up one more time. Uh, there it is, Breaking the News, Exposing the Establishment Media's Hidden Deals and Secret Corruption. Hey, real quick, there was a, uh, a book like this written in the 90s by, I think, a liberal by the name of Fallows. Uh, this right. is the updated version, much better. I mean, it was actually apropos back then, but... Are you aware of that book? Yeah, I was aware of it only because I've checked the various bookstores and they've got two copies. I'm sure he's very bummed out because he's a Jimmy Carter speechwriter who writes <laughs> for The Atlantic amazingly, which I absolutely savage in the book. So I'm sure he's very upset that, that I, I took the title. But uh, I will say this definitively. I came up with the title on my own and it had nothing to do with the previous book. Well, just your, a coincidence. Your book is far superior. And uh, that guy lost his mind a long time ago. I think it's Trump derangement syndrome. Time ago. So uh, no problem. Uh, thank you, Alex Marlowe. All the best. Thanks to you. Thanks to you, Greg, so much. Okay. We'll be right back.
We so appreciate you watching. We so appreciate your support. And we so appreciate this great country, huh? What do you think? Thanks so much. And uh, stand by for Stinchfield. I'll be back tomorrow night. Thank you.